Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. I believe God's going to help us and bless us today. If you don't mind, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word one more time? I'm going to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. In verse 9, I don't hear anybody turning, but I hear people clicking, and I feel a few people, oh, good, it's already up there. You don't even have to wait. Lord, Lord. I believe God's going to bless you today. I believe God's going to do something great today. I gave a word in the first service about the heaps. So the, uh, j- just, I'm going to give a little Bible college lesson here for the preachers, for the, for the young preachers coming up. The Bible says, you know, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means you can't ever get lost and be like, oh my, you know, do crazy stuff. And be like, oh, I couldn't control myself. It's the Holy Ghost. Well, actually the Bible says you can, but it is like a river. So I'm trying to stand foot in the river, but I feel, I feel like, I, I feel like I need to release this word earlier this year. Um, as this is going to sound old fashioned, but uh, an evangelist named Ted Shuttlesworth called me and he said, I saw what God's doing through your ministry. And the Lord spoke to me and he told me to give you your, give you a tent. It's a tent that seats 1200 people. I never asked God for the tent, but now I got a tent. Then I was on a program called flashpoint a few weeks later and a lady named Linda was watching and she wrote to the website said, my husband passed away, but I want to do something to honor his memory. And the Lord just spoke to me to give you a sound system. I never asked God for a sound system. Then Brother Shuttlesworth called me back a few weeks later and he said, the Lord rebuked me. He said, you gave him a tent, but there's nowhere for anybody to sit. So I'm sending you 700 chairs. Then a few weeks later, his son-in-law called me and said, we gave you the tent and the chairs, but you don't have any lights. So I got the tent, I got the chairs, I got the lights, I got the sound system, and I never asked God for any of it. And then last week while I was having a tent revival in Nashville, the guy that was playing the organ came off of the organ and met me in the bus and he said, can I talk to you? He said, you know, I just bought the organ. I thought somebody broke it the way he came at me. And I was getting ready to like call the insurance and be like, well, it's not my fault. You know, it's Pentecostal church. We can't control what happens here. He said, you know, I just bought that organ. He said, but God just spoke to my heart. And he said, that organ belongs in revival. So that Hammond B2 that's back there with the Leslie from 1959, it's yours. I never asked God for an organ. I got a tent. I got the chairs. I got the lights. I got the sounds. I got the organ. I never asked God for any of it. And God said, this is the season where you don't even have to ask for it. I'm just going to give it to you. And as God is my witness, I just felt the Holy Ghost come on me right now to prophesy to this house this is a season brother travis you don't even have to ask for the buildings you don't even have to ask for the planes you don't even have to ask for the money it's just going to come to you in the name of jesus it's coming to you in the name of jesus but there's a responsibility to the promise because it's like the parable of the talent because when the lord puts it in your hands you got to put it to good use you can't go hide it you can't go bury it you got to put it to good use but if you'll do it god will multiply it god will do a great harvest in it so get ready church i'm prophesying i don't take that lightly but i prophesy over this house airport campus i prophesy over you you're about to get stuff you didn't pray for you didn't seek for you didn't look for and you weren't even expecting or asking 
But God says, I know you're faithful. I know you're good ground. I know you're a conduit. And I'm about to put things in your hand that's going to advance revival. It's going to advance the kingdom. And people are going to be blessed because of what I, the Lord, am about to put in your hand. Somebody give God praise. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Hatamashe. Glory to God. Whew. Calm me down, Jesus. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. Once, everybody say once. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. I just want to read to that period right there. Another translation says, but one time Hannah prayed. I want to talk to you about the importance of one prayer. Father, I thank you for what I feel in this house. Thank you for what you've done. And I ask you to use me for your glory today. Touch our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to discern what thus saith the word of the Lord. And I ask that you would confirm it today with signs and miracles and wonders that when we go home, we'll say, surely we have been in the presence of almighty God. And I declare it done in Jesus' name. And everybody shouts, amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I am, since we're just meeting for the first time, I'm a church boy. I'm a third generation church boy, specifically of the Pentecostal persuasion. It was camp meeting in my house all the time. While other kids were out playing house and whatever else they played, I was playing church. And I'd line up my toys and I'd preach to them and I'd pray them through. I'd line up G.I. Joes and I'd come and say, fire on your life. Not to shoot the guns, but just Benny Hinn style. I'd knock them all out at once, just with one swoop. Fire on your life. Baptized Snooper, Superman. He had had a bout with kryptonite. I prayed the prayer of faith in the name of Jesus and God raised him up off of a deathbed. Never made the comic book, but it happened. I baptized Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, you know, I was a little stricter back then. I was raised in holiness. Wonder Woman didn't like all the rules. She, was, she left the church, but one day the blood will call her home. Glory to God. <laughs> Bad joke. Sorry. I would anoint things with oil. I'd pray things through. My mother would come down to the basement. This really happened. One day she was coming down to, with the laundry basket to do the laundry and she slipped on the stair and just, she just screamed. I could hear it. She, Tony! What happened to this terror? I'm like, Mama, you don't know who got healed right there. I prayed the prayer of faith. We Mama, you don't know. That's a miracle spot right there. That's all I've ever known. I have very wonderful, vivid memories of growing up in a Christian home. Very vivid memories of what happened in our house when you got sick. We didn't call 911. We didn't get a teleconference, video, whatever. With the, the first thing that happened when you grew up, for all of you old-time Christians, it did, Pentecostals and even the Baptists, it happened for you too. When you would get sick in the 70s, the 80s, and even into the 90s, so the 90s were a little suspect, but even in the 90s, when you got sick, the first thing that would happen is you'd, your parents would go to the kitchen, they'd go under the kitchen sink, and everybody had a rusty bottle of olive oil with either a yellow cap or a metal cap, had rust in it, but... They would take that off and they'd get a little dab of it on their finger and they're like, come here, child. And they'd anoint you with oil. They'd pray the prayer of faith in Jesus' name and the oil, the rust, and the prayer would heal you of all sicknesses. That was our first option. And then if the rust didn't work, then we'd take you to the doctor. 
But my vivid, vivid memories are growing up in a house of prayer. We prayed about everything. Everything was an opportunity. Every night we would pray as a family around my parents' bed. We would gather together and we would pray. And my parents would do, it was like a liturgical style, you know, call and answer kind of a service. You know, Lord Jesus, thank you for this. And my brother and I'd have to answer it day. Forgive us for our sins. And my brother could say sin, singular. I always had to say sins, plural. And my mother would make sure that I repented for all of my sins. And then every morning we'd wake up and we'd go to school and we'd have to pray before we go to school. We could miss the bus, but we weren't going to miss prayer time. And you could be in there and say, mom, listen, I'm going to miss, I got to go the bus. She's like, well, you're going to miss heaven if you don't pray. And my mother was always worried about my salvation. So I had to like recite Bible verses and pray every single morning of my life. I'd have to say, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And any man when he is drawn away by his own lesson, uh, is, uh, and any man when he is tempted is drawn away. I mean, this is at seven, okay? And any man when he is tempted is drawn away by his own lust and entice. And when life is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin when it is finished, she's poking me in the chest. And sin when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. Seven, I'm like walking to the first grade trembling. Oh God, don't let me go to hell. <laughs> we didn't backslide into 80s. We were prayed up. My parents were teaching me another language because we spoke English with my mother. Hablábamos español con mi papá. We spoke English with my mother, Spanish with my father. But my parents were teaching us the importance of the language of prayer. They were teaching us how important and how vital it is to have communication with the Father. You'll understand my trip down memory lane in just a moment. I was going into the fourth grade. I was, a, I was kind of a nerd. I kind of liked school. I was running for captain of the safety patrol here, believe it or not. And I was going into the fourth grade and there was a great teacher and then there was this other teacher. And for those kids that are raised in this generation, you don't understand what the 80s are like. You see this car right here? That's from the 80s. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, those teachers were mean back then. They could... They could kick desks. I mean, it, back then, it, the spirit of chancla would come on people. It wasn't Mr. Rogers. I mean, Mr. Rogers had taught people how to, I mean, and it was, it, that teacher, she was known for kicking desks, hitting people with rulers and getting in their face and spitting at them and spit. I mean, there was no COVID restriction. She's just spitting at you while she's yelling. I needed a mask in the fourth grade. And that's the teacher I got. And I went home crying. Mom, I can't believe it. So, Miss... It's under the blood now, her name. But miss, it's my teacher. What are we going to do? And my mom said, Tony, what have I taught you? We're going to pray about it. I'm like, all right, mom. All right, we're going to do it. I'm like, yes. Now, my mom is Pentecostal, okay? So I'm like, all right, mom, let's do this right now. I'm like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind this teacher in the name of Jesus with the blood of Jesus. She's under my feet right now. Satan, you're under my feet. That teacher is under my feet. I kick up the dust. She eats my dust. I go forward. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Not that teacher, not her way. And my mom's like, stop. That's not how we're going to pray. <laughs> I said, all right. She said, this is how we're going to pray. And my mother started praying and she said, father, I thank you that Tony has favor with miss. And I'm, op I open one eye. I'm like, what in the world just happened to my mother? She went Joel Osteen on us before there was a Joel Osteen. 
She, I mean, she's just smiling, blinking her eyes. Lord, I just thank you. This is going to be Tony's best year. This is his Bible. He is what he says it is. He can do what it says he can do. This day, he'll be taught the incorruptible, indisputable. His mind, he'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I mean, it was just, I'm like, mother, what happened to you? Said, Tony's got favor with this teacher. This is going to be the greatest year of school Tony's ever had. And she's going to be his friend. And he's blessed coming in. And he's blessed going out. And then she wrote a, a note. She said, give the note to the teacher. So I thought, okay. Mom, she just didn't want me to hear her tell off that teacher. But that note says, his daddy's Colombian. You better watch out. We mafia. But since I'm mafia, I read the note on the way to school. She invited the lady to my piano recital. Like, my mom wants me to die. Well, that lady didn't just come to my piano recital in the fourth grade. That lady got to my piano recitals from the fourth grade till I graduated high school. She was at every concert. She gave me a birthday check. Glory to God. I like the money. She gave me a birthday check every month. She gave me a, uh, not every month, every year till I graduated high school. She'd give me a birthday card every year. She became a friend of our family. Now, I heard the next year she kicked somebody, but at least the year I was there, it was the greatest year of my life. I was elected captain of the safety patrol because of her. I mean, it was a great year. Now you say, you're 41 years old. Why would you bring that up now? Because it left an impression on my mind. When you pray, things change for your favor. It left a memory. It left a foundation in my life that when I pray, God answers prayer. And the reason I'm preaching to you this tonight is because I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Because I've been real frustrated lately. I've had a lot of complaints lately. I don't understand why everything's happening the way it's happening. I don't understand why 2020 was the way it was and 2021 is going the way it's going. And I've done a lot of tweeting and a lot of posting and a lot of complaining and a lot of frustration and a whole lot of tums and I drink Alka-Seltzer like it's water. I've been sick even to my stomach about some stuff that's going on. And then the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit came and reminded me me he says Suarez I can't do anything with your complaints I can't do anything with your posts but do you remember when you were in the fourth grade and your mother had you pray about that teacher and I turned that situation around and it was just the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit telling me you remind yourself and you remind my people what we need to do right now is not complain not post we need to pray because the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much I know it's cliche. I know it's, it's, it's been said too many times, but it's still true today. Prayer changes things. When you pray, you have opened up direct communication with the Father in heaven. You've cut out all the middlemen. You got direct access. And the Bible says, whatsoever you ask, according to his will, in his name, it shall be yours. What do we need to do? We need to pray. I went to a restaurant with my kids. The steak was wrong. The sides were wrong. Everything was wrong. And I forgot I had the Holy Ghost. And I complained to the busboy. I complained to the hostess. I complained to the waiter. And I was getting my phone out to leave a one-star rating on Google. And in my frustration, in front of my kids, I'm like, you know what? Just get me the manager. And a manager came to the table. And, you know, they're always perky when they come. And, hi, what can I do for you? I'm like, <laughs> And before I could get my complaint out, I said, you know, 
I've talked to the busboy. I've talked to the waitress. I've talked to the hostess. I, I just went down the list of everybody I talked to. And he stopped me. He said, sir, I think I know the problem. I'm like, you, you haven't heard my problem. He said, no, no, I think I know the problem. You've been talking to all the wrong people. And I can get a sermon out of anything. I owe that man an offering because I'm right there. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to preach about this thing later. He said, you've been talking to the wrong people. He said, whatever your complaint is, you should have come to me first because they can't do what I can do. He said, if you'd have come to me, I'd have made sure this thing was fixed uh, like 30 minutes ago. And I sat back in that booth and just started thinking, you know what? Is that not the story of my life? I'll go complain on Facebook. I'll go complain on Twitter. I'll go on Google and Yelp and TripAdvisor. And I'll go complain to my mother-in-law number one. And then the mother-in-law number two It's it's it, anyway, I'll go here. I'll go there. And I'll talk to everyone. And not a one of them has a solution. But the psalmist said, I lift mine eyes to the hill from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And I think if you could hear God today, he'd say, listen, I've heard your complaints. I've seen your frustration. I've seen your tears. And I've read what you wrote on Facebook. And I even saw what you put in that Facebook group, that private group that no one knows that you're a part of. And I saw all the things that you said you're going to do. But why don't you try me? Because when you pray to me, when you come to me in my name, I answer prayer. We need to get back to being not a political church, not a complaining church. We need to be a praying church that knows that when you Call on God. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter one gives the narrative that of, of what I'm trying to lay out here today. It talks about the great prophet Samuel and how his life is directly connected to a prayer. He has a father named Elkanah. Elkanah has a few wives. When you read the narrative, when you go home and you read it, you understand why we don't believe in that anymore. There's a lot of, there's a lot of drama going on in the family. All the wives. It had been a reality show. And you got one wife named Panina. Panina is blessed. Panina has children. Panina has got all the name brand bougie bags that are out there she's got the stuff you can't even buy in the store she's an influencer she's got a blue star check mark on instagram and i mean she's got two million and 52 followers on on uh the the, the tiktok and i mean panina's blessed you look at her she's the envy of everybody and then you got hannah hannah's the one people look and they say oh bless her lord but not like actually bless her because you look at her you just don't think she has anything she she shops and even marcus she she shops the clearance aisle of the clearance aisle. This one has the perfect marriage, the perfect children, everything's going right. She, she's the epitome of blessing. And then you got Hannah over here that looks like she has nothing. Hannah, all she wants is a child, but she doesn't have what she's been believing for. And the Bible says that they would go to Shiloh year after year to worship God. And Panina would show up. Panina is the one that walks into the into conferences. Boom. She's got it all. And Hannah has nothing. The Bible says it was year after year. And Panina, not only would Panina be blessed, but Panina would judge Hannah for not having it. She'd make mockery. She'd ridicule her. She'd bring her, she would bring her to tears. The Bible says she was tearful. She was sorrowful. She was even bitter because of what she didn't have. So you got Panina making fun of her and then she's married to this man named Elkanah and Hannah really wants a child and she's really believing for a child and she's decreeing and declaring a child. She's believing for a child. She's expecting a child. She sowed a seed for a child 
And then Elkanah, the Bible says in verse eight, comes to her one day and says, Hannah, am I not, this, all you married, just think about it for a minute. The husband comes to the wife and says, boo. And by the way, I just found out who boo was. Like, I didn't know. Like, I just found this thing out. Boo, am I not better than anything you've been believing for? I'm enough, right? And she's like, oh, oh yeah, buddy. You are it. Searched all over, couldn't find nobody. And I found you, wish could get rid of you. I, 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 oh, yeah, you everything. Sure. Elkanah is well-meaning. Elkanah loves her, but Elkanah doesn't get her. And everybody has Elkanahs in their life. Elkanahs are the people that try to talk you out of what you're believing God for. Try to talk you out of a prayer, out of a promise, and out of a prophecy. The Elkanahs are the ones that say, you know what? Simmer down a little bit. Why don't you just be satisfied with what you have? Why don't you just be okay where, 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 where you are? You don't have to believe for more. It's all just, you know what? That's a little radical. Just So you got Panina taunting. You got Elkanah trying to quench her faith. And then you got the high priest Eli sitting there. She's believing. She's praying. And Eli says, lady, it doesn't take all of that. See, right now... In our culture, we're fighting all three spirits. We're fighting the spirit of mockery. We're fighting that spirit that's trying to quench our faith. And we're fighting the spirit of religion that's telling us it doesn't take all that. You don't have to pray the way your parents prayed. You don't have to fast the way they used to. You don't have to be as devoted. You don't have to be as consecrated. But I tell you, the devil is a liar. We, that, that's that's why, one of the reasons we're in the situation we're in. If I just be transparent with you, I've been, I've been wrestling with the Lord. I've been trying to understand what's going on with this, with this virus. And we, cause we, in my opinion, we should have beaten this thing already. I'm talking about the church. Okay. I'm talking about the church. We should have already prayed this thing away and it should have already gone back to the pit from whence it came. That's my opinion. I'm trying to understand how the sons and the daughters of A.A. A. Allen and Oral Roberts and R.W. Scheinbach and everybody that's been raised in the voice of faith and the voice of healing and in Pentecost, I'm trying to understand why we haven't been able to just really secure victory over this thing. And I felt the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit come again to me this week. And he said, do you remember when this happened with the disciples and I had to take care of business and they came back and they said, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, this kind comes out through prayer and fasting. I just felt that nudge from the spirit to remind the church, we're not praying enough. We're not fasting enough. Maybe we're not as consecrated as we used to be. When I grew up, when we grew up in church, we were in church six days a week. Now I'm not saying you got to go back to having church six days a week, but I'm talking about, we got to get back to consecration where one service is not enough for us, but every day in our house, there's consecration, there's devotion, there's prayer time, there's Bible reading. I'm doing something to get a hold of God because the spirits of this age, the spirits of this day, they're only going to come out through prayer and fasting. We need a church that has power and authority in the Holy Ghost to say, get thee behind me. And when you say it, the devil doesn't laugh. He says, yes, sir. We got to pray. So you have Hannah. I'm preaching to the Hannahs in the room. I'm talking to the Hannahs that are in this room that are tuning in. The Hannah over there at the airport campus. The Hannah that's in this room right here that you're barren. You don't have what others have. 
I'm talking to Hannah's, but this isn't just for, this is for anyone in this room. You don't have what other people have. Your friend started a business. You wanted to start a business. His is prospering. Yours isn't prospering. Your friend got married. You're still waiting on your boo or your bae or whatever the words are right now. You're still waiting and you've watched everyone else get blessed. Everyone else has what they want. And year after year, you come to Pathway. Year after year, you come to the Fight Like a Mom conference. Year after year, you go to this place and you go to that place and you see everybody else is blessed. Everyone else's ministry is prospering. Everyone else's marriage is doing great. Everyone else's kids look like leave it to beaver kids. Everyone else is doing great, but you're stuck. Everyone else is going from glory to glory to glory and you're stuck at two. You're the one I'm preaching to today. You're the one that I came to find. Because Elkanah said, why, why are you praying? Why are you believing? What, what, what? Just, just be satisfied. And I tell you, thank God she didn't listen to Elkanah. Because you could argue that the history of Israel changed because she kept praying. If she, just think about it for a moment, humor me for a moment. If she gives in and says, you know what, you're right. I don't need, I don't need a, I don't need a son. You're enough. I'm going to stop praying. If she does it, there is no Samuel. If there is no Samuel, there's no one to hear God's voice and interpret it to the high priest Eli. If there is no Samuel, there's no one to lift up their voice as a prophet to help Israel recover the Ark of the Covenant. If there is no Samuel, there's no one to anoint a king. There's no one to anoint David. Do you get the picture? One prayer changed the history of Israel. Because a woman didn't stop trusting and she decided, I'm not just going to cry about it. I'm not just going to complain about it. I'm going to pray. Verse 9, you could argue, change the history of Israel because it says, and one time, she cried many times. She got bitter many times. She was hurt many times. But one time she prayed. She said, oh God, answer my prayer. Give me a son. Here's the difference between Hannah and a lot of us. Hannah was anguished. Hannah cried. Hannah was bitter, but she prayed. Life will hurt. Oh, yes. Three weeks from now, it, we commemorate five years that I buried my first wife who passed away from leukemia. I was a single dad of three children. Just a few weeks ago, my wife Gina commemorated when her first husband, Corey, passed away 12 years ago. And she was left the single mother of a five-year-old and a one-year-old. He passed away from colon cancer. Life hurts. I buried my father 15 months before I buried my first wife. Life hurts. Everyone in this room has situations and issues and reasons for why we should be bitter and why we should be hurtful, full of hurt and anguish and pain. But it's what you do with those feelings that makes the difference. So hear me upon the authority of my testimony. Hear me today. What I've learned about God. God does not, he sees our hurt. He hear, He sees our anguish. He sees what's going on. But the Bible teaches us that the only thing that God answers is our prayer. He doesn't answer our tears. He doesn't answer our pain. He doesn't answer our anguish. We have to turn those things into prayer. And then the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Hannah took these hurts of life. She took the ridicule. She took... Elkanah's criticism, Eli's criticism, and she turned it into a prayer life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And verse 19 says, and the Lord remembered her prayer. Not her tears, 
Not her pain, not her sorrow. The Lord remembered her prayer. So to those Hannahs that are in this room, that are in here or at the airport campus or watching at home, here's the word of the Lord for you. You've watched everyone else get blessed. You've watched everyone else prosper. You see everyone else doing great and you've waited, you've watched, you've cried, you've hoped, you've anguished, you've been confused, perplexed, and even bitter at times. And you said, what shall I do? Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray until the bitterness goes away. Pray till you can no longer speak in English or Spanish and you start praying in the spirit. Pray, pray, pray until God answers your prayer. And I promise you that when God hears your prayer, he'll honor it, he'll remember it, and he will answer your prayer. Give him praise in this house tonight. Turn it to prayer. And watch God turn things around. What if you're one prayer away from the miracle? What if you're one prayer away? What if our nation is one prayer away? You say, oh man, what, well, you know, I, I, but what if? Well, yeah, but I prayed for it a thousand times. Well, what if you prayed for it 1,001 times? You don't know when things are going to I lived through 24 months of hell, not cussing. It was bad. Lost my father, lost my wife, lost the great grandfather of my kids. And I'm, I'm tr and here I pray for the sick and then there's death in my home. And I'm trying to juggle all of these things. I really should save some of this for if Gina was here with me to tell the story. But I, but I had to make a decision because I had a right to be bitter. I had a right to give up. My, I was so fearful for my kids' faith because we had a word that leukemia was going to bow its knees at the name of Jesus. And I'm trying to understand my life and understand what's going on. But you know, on, on my wife's deathbed, I didn't tell this story in the first service, but since we sold out of books, I'll tell the story here. On my wife's deathbed, my kids came in to say goodbye to their mother most painful day. I mean, you talk about agony. 10-year-old, 6-year-old, and a 10, 8, and 6. And they came in to say goodbye. My 10-year-old said, Mommy, I love you. And I really, really want you to come home. But I don't want you to have cancer anymore. And Daddy says there's no cancer in heaven. So, Mommy, if you have to go to heaven to be healed, it's okay. He said, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to make you proud. I'm going to obey my dad. And Cole forgets that he said it, but he said it. I, if I, I'm, I should have stopped him right then, Pastor. I should have stopped him and been like, where's my, I don't know where my cell phone is right now, but I should have said, baby, hold up. Say it for the camera real quick, just so we got proof. He said, Mommy, I know you always wanted to see me get baptized. He said, and if dad will give me permission, I'm going to be baptized at your funeral. And he got his sister and his little brother and he said, mommy always wanted to see us be baptized. I'm going to be baptized and you need to get baptized and you need to get baptized and you need the Holy Ghost and you really need the Holy Ghost. And as fanatic as that'll sound to some, at her funeral, all three of my children were water baptized for the remission of their sins. You say, why would you bring that story up? Because it was a mother's answered prayer. We could have stopped praying. We could have stopped believing. We had other stuff going on. 
but our biggest prayer was God save our kids let my kids don't let this situation affect their faith help them to keep trusting and believing that you are a healer you're a way maker and that you're good because how do you how do you convince someone that God's good when things don't look good around you but we were praying about it that funeral was an answered there was an answered prayer in the funeral because I baptized all three of those kids we had a word that leukemia would bow its knees at the name of Jesus I had a vision at the funeral I saw the spirit of leukemia it was standing in front of the baptistry I messed up my knee last week that's why I'm kneeling slowly but I saw that spirit have to bow its knee in front of the waters of baptism because our worst day turned into our best day because salvation came to our home. I buried her in the ground. I buried them in the waters of baptism. That symbolized death. This symbolized life. This symbolized grief. This symbolized joy. This symbolized sickness. This symbolized healing. And that day I was able to stand up and say, death, where is thy sting? Crave, where is thy victory? There was an answered prayer. About 35 days later, we were invited to Orlando to a healing service, TBN, Holy Land Experience. A friend Jonathan Miller put this on. He said, come, bring the kids. And I'm wondering, what are my kids going to think? We just lost their mom, and now we're going to come pray for the sick? And I was still learning how to be a mom and a dad, and I got lost, you know. I, I know I told you not to get lost in the spirit, but I got lost in the spirit, and I'm over here. It's like I'm in the basement again. Fire in your life, fire in your life, fire in your life. And I'm like, oh, Lord, where's my kids? Forgot the mother. Oh, I for, sorry. Sorry, airport campus. I'm back, eh? I'm back. Little Dave Martin there. <laughs> I lost my kids. You know, I, I forgot. Mother hen has to always know where the chicks are. And so I'm looking. I'm like, where's my kids? Where's my kids? And I found my kids. They were on the steps over here. They're laying hands on the sick. I never taught my kids to do it. If they have a walk with, if they have a ministry, I want it to be genuine, not because I put them up to do something, but they were laying hands on the sick. I'd prayed, God, don't let them lose their faith in the supernatural. God, let them still believe you're a healer. We got back in the car and I asked him, I said, how'd you have the, the strength to do that? And my 10-year-old looked at me so serious. It's like talking to an adult that day. He said, Dad, I don't want anybody to ever feel what we felt. So you don't pray for the sick anymore alone. I'll pray for the sick with you because I want everybody to be healed. It was an answered prayer. The devil should have left my family alone because it used to be just me that prayed for the sick. Now there was four of us, which meant four times the anointing, four times the miracles, and four times the healing. I went to a camp meeting at Rod Parsley's church and he pulls me out and he says, God told me I'm about to give you seven times what you lost and seven times and seven. And I'm thinking, I'm not having more babies in Jesus' name. So I don't know how we're getting to seven. Maybe we're getting dogs. And then God brought this wonderful woman named Gina into my life. We went on that first date. I don't even know. I, I did not tell this story. I had no intention on telling this story and I've gone over my time and you'll forgive me, but I feel like somebody has to hear it. Went on that first date. I didn't even know how to date. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. I'm too churchy. She's like, hey. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. She's like, you want to pray for the food? I'm like, okay. I'm like, I rebuke every carbohydrate in the, you come out of this engine. 
I don't know who's Boo, I don't know who's Bay, and, and, and she starts telling me her story about losing her first husband and raising two kids, and we start seeing how much we have in common with each other. And then nine months later, God brings us together and we get married. Her and her two, my three and I, and it's at the, I think it was at the wedding that I was like, oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven. Seven that had lived through the same hell. Seven who had gone through the valley of the shadow of death, but seven people that can stand up and testify to you today that God answers prayer. He might not always answer it the way you want him to answer it, but he always answers prayer and he's faithful and he's just. And we cried a lot of tears. We had a lot of sorrow through that situation. But you know what made the difference? Prayer. Stand with me in this house, if you will. It was prayer. I stand on the other side of a storm to tell you God answered our prayers. He didn't always answer it. If somebody will come for this podium, please. He didn't always answer it the way I wanted him to answer it. But he always answered prayer. I was living in Virginia Beach at the time when Jessica died. In about a year, year and a half after her passing, we had an uncommonly warm day in February. Sun was out. It was beautiful. And I picked my kids up early from school. It was so beautiful. I picked my kids up early so we could go to the beach. Got them early, got in the convertible, drove down. We were just having a great day. We were laughing, we were singing, and we were, we're just, we're, and we went to, I mean, we're just having a, it was, it was a great day. And I was walking on the beach and I, I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, look behind you. And I, he said, no, 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 no. Look back over the last year where I brought you from. Look at your kids. They're smiling. They're happy. There's joy. He said, you've crossed over to the other side. You know what that was? It was an answered prayer. I couldn't just hope it. I couldn't just fingers crossed. I had to pray it into existence. This season of the last 18 months has been very frustrating for humanity. And we have all been guilty of saying, we've never been through anything like this. And God got a hold of me. Oh, really? You that buried a wife and a father and a great-grand, you've never been through anything? He said, you just got to remember what brought you through the last thing. We got a short-term memory, ladies and gentlemen. You know what we got to do? We got to do what our mothers and fathers would have done. They would have rolled up their sleeves and they would have said, we're going to take this thing to prayer. We're going to pray this thing out. We're going to pray peace. We're going to pray prosperity. We, we've, we've done enough fearing. We've done enough complaining. We've done enough of everything else. Now it's time to become the house of prayer that God called us to be. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. So airport campus and this campus, before I make this altar call, I'm an evangelist. I used to be a pastor. I'm an evangelist now, but I feel a pastoral on me right now. Here's your homework this week. Pray about everything. Pray about, I, I accidentally said in the first service, but I feel like 
pray before you buy that, that jug of milk. Make sure you pick the right one, not the one with salmonella. Make sure you get the right one. <laughs> pray about, pray about that person before you get married. Pray about that house that you're thinking about buying, that car. You Jericho march around the car, not just have faith and pray about it. Pray about everything and see if things don't turn around for you this week. Before you post, pray. Before you tweet, pray. Before you do anything, pray and see if God won't turn things around for you. Now, airport campus, I'm about to minister to this house, but I want to minister to you first. The spirit of the living God is with you right now. You might be one prayer away. You might be one prayer away. One prayer away from that healing. One prayer away from that miracle. One prayer away from that answer. You've complained about it long enough. You've criticized it long enough. Turn it into a prayer and see what God will do. For those of you at the airport campus that need healing, you need a miracle. Airport campus at the count of three, if you need something from God, if you'll raise your hands and you'll pray with me, I believe God will give you an answer. Airport campus, one, two, three. I wish, I wish I could tell you that I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand. I wish I could tell you. I don't see it, but I sense him. I sense him. For those of you that have your hand raised in, at the airport campus, you've seen those memes with Oprah. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. If you could see in the heavenlies, your father's up there saying, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing. He's been waiting for you to pray about it. He's been waiting for he, He's been just like a good parent teaches a child. You can't have a temper tantrum about it. Ooh, I'm talking to somebody right there. Mercy, I might need to write that one down and remember. You can't have a temper tantrum about it. You can't scream and kick about it. A good parent will wait and say, use your words. Now, if they're 17 and you're having to do that, 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 that's, a, that you gotta, that's, that's in a different classroom that we talk about. But I'm just talking about when they're little. You teach them. After you do all that, use your words. Your father's been waiting for you to turn it into a prayer. And now he's commanding his blessing to come upon you. You members of the airport campus, I pray the fire of God fill that room right now. Healing virtue flow through these cameras and through fiber optic cable. And may it come and touch you right now. Be healed. Be delivered. Be transformed. Be set free. May the miracle come this very week. Someone at the airport campus is going to testify this week about a money miracle that came forward and came. It just, it happened. It just happened. It, when you prayed, you'll testify. I prayed about it and it turned around. I'm leaving you in the hands of your campus pastor and the ministry there. I'm just going to take authority because I feel it. If you're in that airport campus right now and you feel the tug of God calling you to the altar, sl start slipping out of your seats right now and come forward right now. There's going to be ministry that's going to lay hands on you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to agree with you. You're one prayer away. Come now, airport campus. Come now. Come now. I'm leaving you in the hands of your ministry while I turn my attention to this house. I bless you in Jesus' name. Now this house. 
I feel in my spirit. You don't have to identify who you are. Jesus is a gentleman. He'll never embarrass you. But to that individual that's in this room that has a court case and you've paid the lawyers, you've done everything and it's still sitting in the court. It's still sitting in the judge's hand. It's still sitting in lawyer's hands. And it's just, it's been like the never ending juggling. It's just back and forth, back and forth. You're one prayer away. You're one prayer away. You got the best lawyer that there ever has been. His name is Jesus. He advocated for you and he settled the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He took care. He took a plea bargain. He went to the cross. He died for you and everything is settled. He said it is finished. And I declare to you this week, what you need will be finished and settled in Jesus name. You're one prayer away. I feel the spirit of the living God in this house right now. You forgive me. I preached too long today, but there's grace in this house too. But if you need a miracle from God in those balconies and these seats, wherever you are, if you're comfortable coming to the altar and you say, preacher, I can't wait one more day. I need my miracle now. And you'll join with me in prayer. If that's you at the count of three, I want to invite you to come. There's someone on Facebook, right? It's me. And we'll pray for you. Just write it in the comment. It's me. It's me. We'll pray for you. Those of you in this house, one, two, three, come now. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.